Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. Our match day 25 recap podcast. What a weekend it's been. I'm Sam Leverage and I'm joined by Matt Clark. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thanks, Sam. 30 goals across nine different games. Pretty impressive record. And so far from those 18 teams to have played, only Osasuna, Alaves, and perhaps most surprisingly, Real Sociedad haven't scored this weekend. Let's start off with the big one Sunday night, nine o'clock, the Basque Derby. So let's hand over. To you now, Matt, as you spoke to Benya about this feature first up with a little bit of commentary from some of the mad celebrations that San Mamés has athletic ran Wow, what a result at San Mamés. Athletic 4, Real Sociedad 0. It's Athletic's biggest win in the derby since 1959. I'm joined here by Benyat Gutierrez, who is one happy man this evening. Benyat, first of all, just your reaction and your emotions after that incredible result. Oh, it was a very happy uh, game to watch in the sense that I, I was ready to bring you all my grievances about the team. I was feeling it was going to be one of those derbies where everything comes up to a small detail and that small detail was going to be that penalty that Munian missed and then it was going to be basically a, a draw without goals and everybody was going to be sad. Because actually the whole thing with the penalties is a problem right now because Atletic missed five out of the last seven, which is something Marcelino needs to address. But then, I don't know if suddenly, because probably was part of Marcelino's plan, this idea of setting this high pace to... Uh, take advantage of uh, Real Sociedad uh, struggling with uh, them playing Europa League really recently, uh, everything changed. And as soon as the one came in, uh, Atleti was a complete uh, uh, destroyer of Real Sociedad and um, everything worked. I guess because uh, also um, the changes Marcelino did on the on the team, like, Ah, people here is really frustrated with the whole Dani Garcia Vesga thing. It works sometimes, it's true. Uh, it worked on quite big games this year, but um, they don't create a lot of football. They are destroyers of football, and sometimes the problem is that they just not destroy 
the rivals football, but they destroy athletics on football. And that's more problematic. So when then Ben Cedro goes in and the guy, the man of the day that is being sunset, that completely changed for Athletic and it was like a, a full new game. Yeah, it was still goalless on the hour mark um, when they came on, particularly Sunset. He came on, got a goal and an assist. It was two corners that led to the opening two goals. It was two goals in about four minutes, just an incredible uh, increase in pace in the game. Do you think that was what it was, just that that freshness and energy of Sunset and the others just reignited that that passion? Yeah, I think uh, changes for Atletic were really helpful. Then, even before changes, you could see that Atletic was physically better than Real Sociedad, and Real Sociedad was starting the, the way down in, in the game, and uh, probably something mentally to happen on, on Real Sociedad. It's not the first time this year that they um, suffer a collapse like this. Subi Mendy on the post-game interview was saying that, uh, yeah, uh, obviously the physical part of the game was a big factor, but that doesn't explain uh, four goals, and it's something also that they will need to work on and that reading real fans on social networks i think they are they are aware of of that um situation and then it was everything it was the vibe on the stadium it was that beautiful goal by vivian one of the names of the season also here in in bilbao because it was it was a really difficult uh, finish he did and it was beautiful the kind of goal that completely uh Makes some mames go go crazy, and then Sunset. I think Sunset was the most important player of of the game. It is true that the context at that point was probably favorable to him, but he's uh, he's proving that he deserves probably more minutes than he's getting more from Marcelino. Well, speaking of impressive performances, we have to mention the captain Iker Munyain. He'd scored the decisive free kick in the reverse fixture in San Sebastián. Of course, Ramiro making the error there. But then, of course, it seemed that the narrative was that it was revenge because Ramiro saved his first half penalty. But, of course, Munoain, as well as missing that penalty, he had a goal and an assist himself. He got the, uh, the cherry on top of the cake with that goal to make it 4-0. Um, just, just your reaction to his performance and, and his level this season. He's at the, at the sweet moment right now in his career. He seemed to have... Uh... Uh, grown up as a person, as a player, and I think today he he proved that um, it wasn't easy. If we consider the the whole dynamics with Real Sociedad, it's not easy. Obviously, the the final still a painful moment for not just fans but of course uh, players too. And he was able to to react, and he was able to um, still be the soul of the team during big part of the game. I think it's really representative of how he's feeling. Uh, that last moment when also Berenguer was really working hard on, hand on, on getting booked uh, to avoid uh, the game against Barcelona and be able to, to focus on the, the Copa del Rey semi-final against Valencia. And you could see Munyain really <laughs> pressuring him and just trying to be like, okay, yeah, yeah, but put the, the ball... Uh, close to the to the goal because we want to score another one. Huh? We we want to get the the fifth one, and and he gave us also very good moments of, of football today, and uh, the way he he finished on on his goal. I think with this uh, goal uh, right now, Real Sociedad is the team he has scored more against uh, from all the teams he he faced. So I think he's at a sweet moment and. 
probably he understand that this must be the year that after so many years getting close it is true athletic won super copas but it also doesn't feel like the same and this must be a, a special year they are close in the semi-final of copa del rey and I'm pretty sure that Muniain will give away so many things to just be able to get the trophy and, and get the trophy for Athletic. Yeah, you mentioned that, that longing for silverware. They've they've dragged themselves back into the race for European qualification as well. But of course, there is that Copa semi-final, second leg against Valencia, very delicately poised at 1-1. What do you think is, is the, do you think that is the most important goal for, for them to, to reach that final and hopefully win it? Or do you think they're still having an eye on qualifying for Europe again? Well, I mean, all managers say this thing about, no, the most important is the league because it proves your level, how uh, constant you are on your effort and all that things that managers love to say. But it's, it's, I mean, it, it, it's a trauma on this uh, city, the, the whole uh, issue with the finals and, and Copa del Rey. So I think that's the, the main goal of the season. And also... I'll say that because I'm quite skeptic about um, reaching a, a European competition spot in the sense that it seems that every time Athletic has it close, that it's just one step away from it, they make a mistake. And we saw last week against uh, Mallorca. No? So yeah. I, I think the goal must be Copa del Rey. And also because, yeah, Munienne still has a lot of football ahead, but Athletic has been playing a crazy amount of finals and more mm. crazy if you think about all the self-imposed restrictions that the club has for 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 signing players and being again on a semi-final you just need to make it work finally and, and that's why um i feel they, they are aware there's a generation of players that may not be on a semi-final again because we know how football it is so you know, I think that must be the goal. And yeah, probably if uh, they make it happen, we're not going to have any controversy, any debate. Uh, there's not going to be more talk about if Marcelino should extend his contract or not. Or we won't even care about who's going to be the, new, the next president. It's going to be like, okay, yeah, we make it and we can be at least calm for a generation. Yeah, a, a historic night. At San Mamez, uh, you must be delighted. Bilbao is is surely partying right now. Go and enjoy the rest of the evening. Thank you so much, Benya. Uh, we'll see you again soon. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And obviously, people is partying because this is the first game without restrictions in the last country. So, uh, yeah, bars are open. People is enjoying. Fantastic stuff. Thanks, Benya. See ya. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Benya. Some great stuff from there from Bilbao and from Benya. I'm sure he's a happy man after this weekend. And I think a lot of fans in that race for Europe are going to be quite happy. I mean, not other than the Athletic. I mean, the only side in that race for Europe that were disappointed this weekend were Real Sociedad. I mean, there were wins for Villarreal for one against Granada. Atletico with Osasuna 3 0. Um, then also Barcelona, who uh, we'll talk about a little bit more later. They beat Valencia. Real Betis beat Mallorca 2 1. So, I mean, Good results for all of these teams that are up there at the right end of the Liga. Who are you most impressed by this weekend, Matt? Well, I think there's a couple of teams. Really. I mean, Villarreal's performance was was pretty convincing away at Granada. Um, Dan Juma looks back to form and firing. He got a hat-trick. Uh, interestingly, the last two uh, Villarreal players to score hat-tricks away from home 
were Joel Moreno at Los Carmenes and then Danjuma at Los Carmenes. So they seem to like playing at Granada. Yeah, I think some of those results as well. I mean, like 3-0 for Atleti, I think, flattered them. I don't think that was a 3-0 win performance, but Diego Simeone will grab that with both hands. And Joel Felix obviously playing well. Luis Suarez getting that goal. John Oblak keeping a clean sheet. I mean, he'll take all of that, especially before facing Manchester United. So go on, Matt. I'm going to put you on the spot. Who is going to make fourth spot in La Liga at the moment? It's Barcelona on 42 points. But they have played 24 games compared to 25 games for Betis on 46. 25 games for Atleti also on 42 points. And then just behind them, Villarreal on 39 points. Real Sociedad on 38 points with a game in hand. And then Athletic Club on 37 points on 25 games as well. I mean, we're in a situation where with all games, if they win their, all teams, if they win their games in hand, there could be nine points between six different teams, between third and eighth. I mean, it's going to be an exciting few few weeks until the end of the season. Absolutely spot on. I mean, it's going to be a real fight. We've seen that anyone can beat anyone pretty much. Um, Betis is next to Sevilla and then um, and then I believe it's Aleti. So a massive two games for them in the league. Of course, they've got Europa League and the, the uh, second leg of the Copa. So they're the only side in three different competitions. So can they keep this form going over the next kind of month? That could be quite telling for them. But at the moment, I would say Betis would definitely be in that top four. And, uh, you know, I have to say, I, th- I think it would be Barca. I really do. Uh, they've got goals in their team now. Um, Aubameyang could be the difference maker. Adama's already shown he can provide uh, quality from the sides. Um, the midfield options are just staggering. Pedri Gavi, um, Ferran, you think, will surely come good. His, his all-round game looks fantastic. Um, yeah, Leti, again, is a great result this weekend, but they need to show this over a longer period of time because they've been far too inconsistent. And when you lose at home to Levante and you, you barely have a shot on target, you, you have to really ask yourselves if that side is good enough to finish fourth. Uh, so if you're asking me right now, I'll say the top four, Real Madrid, Sevilla, Betis and Barca. Ooh, controversial, Matt. No, Atleti. I'm going to disagree with you entirely. I think, actually, <laughs> I think kind of echoing a little bit of what you said, but I think Sevilla are going to end up fourth, which is Ooh, possibly a big, cool. a big shout. But I can see Sevilla. I mean, I think there's already six points difference between them and Real Madrid now. I think the title hopes are pretty slim because I don't think they're in the right form. I don't think they're they're in the right place mentally, I think. You can see in the last few results that they're struggling to grind out results that they were early in the season, so I can't see them sustaining a title challenge. Obviously, only one win in the last five as well. Betis, I think, Manuel Pellegrini is doing such a good job at rotating that squad. I'm not sure whether they'll finish second, but I think they are doing a fantastic job of rotating the squad to handle the Europa League, the Copa, La Liga. I mean, they're in the best form They've been in all season and they're in that point now when they are managing all of these competitions. So I think that'll be interesting to see how they get on. I have real feelings. Maybe it's the the bias in me, but I have real feelings about Letty of the 2019-20 season. When going into the, the start of the pandemic, Letty were in a similar position just outside the top four. Everyone was writing them off. And then after the, the lockdown and the break in the season, they came back and just started to grind out those results. And I think this weekend is a promising performance. If they can start grinding out results like this, and if they can sort the defence out like they did this weekend, then it could be possible for Atleti to to just sneak into fourth place and, and not really grab too much attention. But I don't think they'll go far in Europe. 
So I think they will be able to prioritize La Liga, which Sevilla, Betis, Barcelona might not be able to. But I think it might be Sevilla who are fourth and, and clinging on for their lives. I mean, that is a huge call, Sam. Huge call. I have no idea. It's just it's all up in the air, Matt. There's so much to play for in the next few weeks. And there also is. It's so exciting. Yeah. So let's take a quick break then, Matt, and then we'll be back in part two to take a look at Valencia, Barcelona, where we've got the one and only the magnificent Paco Pollitt talking to us live from Valencia. And we'll also take a look at some of the other teams right at the very top, Real Madrid and their winner, Veralaves, and also Espanyol and Sevilla, who played out a draw in Catalonia. So take a quick break and we'll be back shortly. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the La Liga Lowdown podcast as we take a look at match day 25. Possibly the most entertaining tie of the weekend was the one at Mestalla. Barcelona ran out 4-1 winners over Valencia, what's being labelled as Xavi's best performance in charge yet of the Catalans. So let's hand over to Matt Clark as he spoke to Paco Pollitt, who was there watching as Valencia fell to a pretty disappointing defeat from their point of view. So let's tune in first of all to hear Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang who went on to score a hat-trick. Well, some people say it wasn't a hat-trick, but <laughs> he will say it was. Let's hear all about that game. I'm here now with Paco Pollitt, who saw Valencia lose 4-1 at Mestalla to Barcelona. It was an emphatic first-half performance from Barcelona, 3-0 at the break. Valencia was slightly better in the second half, but not enough to uh, to change the result. Paco, that first half was just they were just blown away, weren't they? 
Yeah, well, an actual disaster class from from Valencia. Um, I can't say it's the first time we see this this season, but uh, once you perform in such a way against such a big side as Barca, uh, especially a Barca who are you know on their way or on their path to become at least a team that resembles the dominant side that used to amaze everyone a few seasons ago. Well, but mm, the, the the result is. Uh, I wouldn't say uh, especially harsh uh, for Valencia. I also wouldn't say it, it was short because actually Barca only shot three times um, on target and the three of them were, were goals. So it's true that, that Valencia were covert side, uh, you know, um, focused in, in trying to defend Barca on their own half of the pitch um, and focused especially on trying to get uh, Barca's uh, midfield to, to not work properly. But... Barca were able to, you know, uh, deliver a couple of excellent passing uh, um, masters. Uh, for example, the second goal was amazing. The way uh, up to five one-touch passes until the goal, you know, kissed the back of the net. And I believe that uh, if you add to this matter a couple of unlucky uh, ref decisions aided by the VAR, for example, uh, Valencia Arnada with the gap with one goal, which was disallowed because the ball went outside the pitch for a few centimeters away. Uh, there was some controversy on Barca's third goal because of a potential offside by Aubameyang. Well, overall, it was a disastrous first half and it was going to be, you know, a battle of climbing uphill for Valencia in the second. Slightly more positive in the second half, Carlos Soler continued his good goal scoring form this season. His header got them back in the game at 3-1 and you just wondered would the momentum be with Valencia. But of course then that fourth goal from Barca pretty much killed that off, didn't it? Yeah, I think that uh, Valencia uh, went into the pitch in the second half with another attitude. They pressed harder, they pressed higher on the pitch, even though I think that uh, Sergio Busquets and, and Gavi bossed the, the, the game around. But, you know, they had their, their own chances. They managed to uh, cut short uh, the advantage with that uh, Carlos Soler header. Um, but yeah, the fourth goal was you know the, the game killer. It, it was a bit lucky on on Gabi. Actually, the goal was later signed off to uh, Aubameyang with a hat trick because the ball actually deflected uh, on his back and uh, yeah. made you know a parable and an arch over Mamardasvili who had no responsibility in, in the goal. So with that uh, first uh, fourth goal, I think that uh, you know Valencia just uh, get their gloves out of their hands. Bordalas made a few subs, but. Um, Nobody actually believed that they could come back from that one. And actually, uh, the game was killed with 20-25 minutes to go. Yeah, we saw that uh, that sad image doing the rounds of, of Jose Gaya, who had to come off injured. Um, you yeah. you uh, tweeted out the photo. It just looks very disconsolate on the bench, doesn't he? Yeah, and actually I want to credit the, the photographers because most of the time, you know, when you have uh, pictures in social media making the rounds, uh, you know, they become viral and, or even memes. Uh, but you have to, you know, report back to the source. And the source is uh, uh, Izquierdo from uh, Blanquinegres, which is our website from over here. And also uh, my man, uh, David Gonzalez from Diario As. You have actually the two angles of the same picture. Uh, Jose Gaya just looking uh, with his uh, sight lost in the infinity, uh, reflecting after the game with some problems in his uh, thigh. Uh, back part of the thigh because he had to leave the pitch with uh, an injury and he was just looking into the infinite, thinking about his own stuff. I believe that he might be thinking about many, many, many things. For example, his contract ex extension, which is being uh, negotiated on the last few weeks and months. Um, remember that he uh, finishes off his 
um, contract on 2023. Barca are actually one of the many, many sites around Europe who are uh, pursuing Jose Luis Gaya towards a potential move. But, uh, you know, he wants to stay in Valencia. But at the same time, he has to look for himself. And at this point, watching Valencia perform, watching the way uh, their management, Meriton Holdings, uh, Peter Lim, President Daniel Murti, all of them are, you know, driving and piling Valencia just to the... Not only the ground, you know, they are already on the parking lot, sub-parking lot number three already. Because the last two, three seasons have been awful towards Valencia fans. Awful in terms of the results after Marcelino and Mateo Aleman were sacked back in September 2019. So I think José Luis Guaya was thinking about his future and that he isn't really sure about what to do. Because he wants to say, but uh, the environment is not exactly the best. Uh, Valencia are only in tight uh, financial struggles. They have to reduce quite a lot their salary cap towards next season. They are actually the the smallest one in Primera División, only 30 million euros in wages and salaries, and that's why uh, they aren't able to offer José Luis Gaya a huge contract because they have to, you know, move uh, with a restricted uh, salary. So. It was really an iconic image after the game because it really reflects the mood for 99% of Valencia fans. Yeah, a big decision potentially for Gaia to make in the summer. Uh, just one final question, Paco. There's been some reports uh, in the media in Spain that Jose Bordalas, could, his future could be in doubt. But uh, Valencia themselves, the social media account, quote tweeted this and said, do not lie uh, last week. So what's your take on, on these rumours and, and do you think Bordalas could be gone by the summer. My take is that um, Meriton Holdings, Valencia's management, should stop using social media to discredit journalists and instead be more worried about their own um, mischiefs and uh, misgivings and uh, misfires at the helm of, of Valencia. I believe it wasn't really uh, the best move to uh, you know, speak ill of a member of the, the journalist uh, uh, environment over here because what he actually was telling or reporting about is true. The truth is that uh, Jose Bordalas and his staff has have been driven a bit away and drifted away from uh, Valencia's top management because of the fact that uh, he has reportedly and many, many times asked for a, a defensive midfielder. He has been doing this since uh, summer 2021 and, you know, uh, the management didn't really oblige on this and they have focused on other targets. Uh, eventually, in this uh, winter market, some players like Eli Moriva or Brian Hill or uh, Schemert were signed, but they weren't really what Bordalas was asking for. He has reportedly many times asked for a central midfielder, um, a defensive one, also, uh, you know, top quality uh, central defender and at the end of the day if you don't have uh, the board and the management thinking alike in, in the same direction it's going to be very tough and that's why I remember Bordalas signed for a 1 plus 1 deal uh, back in summer 2021 but at this point you only have to look at Valencia they're 12 in the standings in my view I think Bordalas is doing a good job he's trying and struggling uh, to make Valencia work but this is a, a very unbalanced side you know Plenty of attacking uh, firepower, but very weak at the back. And I could say that uh, irrelevant at the middle. I think that Valencia's midfield is easily run over by 
90% of La Liga sides, and that's where you eventually win the games, you know, in the midfield. And uh, Barca had a, a ball with them. It was very easy for for them to to come over Valencia's uh, midfield, and that's why Bordalas has been keen on trying to bring some players into that position. But, yeah, it's true that it's not exactly the best um, season between uh, Bordalas uh, staff, uh, Bordalas staff and Valencia's management. And if I had to pick a side, I would obviously pick a side with the manager because he knows what he's doing. He knows what he needs. And um, Meriton and Peter Lim and Il Murti have proven for the last three seasons that they're absolutely clueless about what to do. Well, on that um, strong note there, Pac, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you very much for your time and uh, hopefully things do improve in the future. Thanks, Paco. Cheers, Matt. Bye-bye. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Paco. So now let's take a look at the rest of the action at the top end of La Liga. One of the perhaps surprising results that we might not have expected on paper was Espanyol 1, Sevilla 1. Espanyol got quite an impressive home record this season, but Sevilla dropping points again. I mean, this is their fourth draw in five games now for them. And one thing that I was disappointed by, I mean, there was Julio Lopetegui is obviously fighting a few different battles on different fronts. I mean, Anthony Martial obviously went off with a, a knee injury again, adding to the injury list at Sevilla. But one thing that disappointed me was Jules Conde and, and his sending off, Matt. I mean, we saw a similar incident when he clashed with Jordi Alaba on the touchline just before Christmas. Now we're back here and, and again, it's another petulant one where, yeah, maybe it's a little bit of a harsh decision, but Conde gives the, the opportunity. I mean, Poirot makes the most of it, but he makes that action to allow him to do that. I think that's where Sevilla that's where Sevilla are going to lose a title race because they just don't have that kind of leadership, the experienced kind of figure there to to help Gunde. And I mean next to him is Diego Carlos who's almost more extreme in that regard. And you just think like, come on, Fernando, Thomas Delaney, I mean these are experienced guys in that Sevilla midfield. Why are they not kind of helping Gunde to kind of cut that element out of his game? I mean I don't know what you thought of it or whether it was Harsh on Kunde, whether you agree that he was a bit stupid to put himself in that situation? Well, I mean, it's difficult. You can look at it two ways. I can understand the argument that says he's silly to do it when he's on the yellow card already. But for me, it was an absolute nonsense of a sending off. I mean, the first yellow itself was pretty soft. And then even if you account for that, the, the, I mean, Quadros, he's made the foul. He, he's gone down himself. Like, I mean, Kunde just sort of turns. He doesn't even swing an arm. The arm just kind of turns. And it sort of brushes Poirot. And then Poirot goes down as if he's been hit, elbowed, something like that. And I just think he's absolutely conned the referee. Um, he almost couldn't wait to, to show him the red card. And I think it's a real shame for, for Kunde and for Sevilla because, like you say, they've, they've had so many injury problems. Um, Marcel, the latest. But, of course, the discipline is the other side of that coin. Um, Ocampos and Kunde, of course, pending appeal. But they, they will both miss El Gran Derby now. And they're two huge players to lose, especially given that Lopetegui's been juggling these players for positions. Fernando played at the back today. Kunde played right back. So he's having to shuffle the pack nearly every game just to try and get a formation that he thinks can win games. And they're unbeaten in a while, but it's it's just that they can't quite grind out these wins anymore like they were doing before Christmas. As you say, four draws in five. Definitely some drop points there. I mean, if they'd won all four of those, they'd be top now. So... That just shows how the fine margins can define title races. But um, 
Yeah, as you say, Espanyol deserve a little bit of credit because they were they were the better side really overall, even with 11 v 11, I'd say. Sevilla didn't create enough. And uh, Darder, once again, was was proven pivotal with a, with a header. And Espanyol, they, they've beaten Real Madrid at home. They've drew with Barcelona. They nearly beat them, of course, to that last-minute goal from uh, Luke de Jong. And they've held Sevilla quite comfortably. They Again, they probably should have gone on and won that game themselves, Espanyol, 11 v 10. So their home record is what's going to keep them up um, because their away form isn't good at all. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Sevilla, we'll, we'll talk about Real Madrid in a second. It's one of those because the gap has changed every week for the last three match days, I believe. It was six and it was four and six again. So I'm not totally convinced that Real Madrid will be, you know, this kind of pristine machine all the way through. I think there's still some drop points in there. So I think if Sevilla can kind of cling in around six points behind, I think there's a chance. Um, maybe I'm saying that optimistically, hoping for a title race, but uh, I still have hope that there is uh, yeah, high Liga. Yeah. No, and just to touch on Sergi Darle, there's so a great tweet of the weekend, which was that if he was called Serginho Darderinho, he'd be worth 100 million and playing for Real Madrid. And I think that kind of performance that he put in on Sunday maybe maybe shows us why. So let's move on then to, to Real Madrid. I mean, you touched on it there. And I think this was another game, like with Atleti, like what I said earlier on about Atletico, this wasn't a 3-0 win performance. And I would say for Real Madrid, again, this wasn't a 3-0 win performance from Real Madrid. It wasn't that impressive. I mean, held at 0-0 at home to Alaves until 63 minutes. Obviously, the 80th minute goal from Vinicius and then the injury time penalty from Benzema. I mean, it flattered them a little bit, I thought. It did, yeah. I think 2-0 would probably have been fair. Once again, it was the much maligned Marco Asensio who, who broke the deadlock with a, a fantastic strike from outside the box, just as he'd done against Granada two weeks ago. But, uh, I mean, the second goal is magnificent. It's a fantastic passing move and Vinicius finishes it so well. And, yeah, that, that's Real Madrid at their best. They, they can turn it on uh, for a few moments in, in each game. And, and when they do that, they're quite clearly the best side in, in Spain. Let's move on to our MVP, our most valuable player of the weekend. Go on, I'll let you go first. Who's your first pick from this weekend's action? Well, I'm going to have to go with uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Um, he came in, um, much fanfare. He's, you know, kind of for free from Arsenal. Um, it was a very bizarre transfer in itself, but, uh, you know, he made his debut a couple of weeks ago. This was his first start against Valencia. He, last time he was at Mestalla, he scored a hat-trick for Arsenal in the Europa League. And, uh, and now he made it back-to-back hat-tricks. And it was literally off his back because it was Pedri's strike, which brushed his back. Might have deflected it out of the reach of Mamadashvili. But um, yeah, that, that, that goes down as his hat-trick. Um, and yeah, his, his first goal was fantastic. Uh, the ball over the top from Jordi Alba, he took it so well in his stride and just finished with a real composure and power. Um, and like I say, if, if Barca are going to finish fourth, they're going to need plenty more goals from him. And uh, there's no reason why he can't continue this, this scoring streak because uh, wherever he's been, he's got qualities and, and he's scored goals. So for... He definitely deserves a spot on uh, on this week's MVP. How about you? Fantastic. I'm going to go for Iko Monain from the Bass Derby on, on Sunday night. I think he missed a penalty in the first half, which was kind of you feared at that point. Was that the turning point? Athletic have been playing really well, a much better team. I mean, was that the moment where the game was going to turn on its head? But then Monain, he's the player that comes up on these big occasions. He always stands up in these derbies. It was his injury time winner last time out that kind of made the big difference 
And so I think that's the kind of player he is. He's the player, the leader of Athletic. And so to step up that delivery for for the second Athletic goal was superb, a brilliant corner, just where any attacking player would want to find a corner in the box. And then again, in injury time, was it the 89th minute, sorry, to get his goal? It was so much composure to, to finish like that in a derby in such a heated game and to just slot the ball under the keeper and into the, the far post. I mean, we all know about his history with Alex Ramiro. I mean, after the, the reverse fix, she was there hugging him after the goalkeeper had made a mistake and then for him to stop his penalty this time. I mean, looking forward to seeing what's next in the instalment of that story. But I think Igor Manayin is just such a leader and athletic and led by example in the perfect way at Samuel Mez on Sunday night. Yeah, it was a brilliant performance from him. And you could have had any number of athletic players, really. I mean, Fanta off the bench or, or even Berenguer, but... But yeah, I'll, I'll never object to Ike Munayin being on the on the poll. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go for another hat-trick hero. Um, and that's Arnaud Danjuma uh, from, from Saturday's game. Hat-trick against Canada, as we said earlier. Uh, his first hat-trick in professional football. It was quite timely because, like I say, the URL still without Gerard Moreno, Alcacer, has not lived up to the hype. And um, yeah, Danjuma's missed a lot of the kind of winter matches, but he's... He's back and he showed that he knows where the goal is. I mean, uh, okay, two were penalties, but given that he'd never taken a penalty in his career before, I believe, he uh, he finished those both with real conviction. Um, and uh, yeah, his other goal, I mean, there were shades of uh, Ronaldo Fenomeno about it, the way he kind of comfortably rounded the keeper and slotted it home. So uh, it, there's there's a lot of excitement about this player. You know, Danju Magic returns. Um, and just for the avoidance of any doubt, VRL USA will be delighted that I've gone for that, just, uh, just to make, make that point. But uh, I, I think we're not getting carried away, but we are saying Dan Juma is a bit like Ronaldo phenomenon. Well, that, there were shades of it in that goal. Yeah, I'll give it that. <laughs> Who's your final pick? Well, then my final pick, I know that you were hoping for this one to be Karim Benzema, but I'm going to go for Jao Felix. I think he's a guy who's had so much stick in the last couple of weeks, months, and he's not had it easy. And I think justifiably I don't think he's been anywhere near his best but he just loves playing against Osasuna I think it's five goals he's been involved with in five games against Osasuna now and this is what Atletico needed I mean they needed this kind of a performance from Jao Felix and this is what fans have been crying out saying Jao you don't stand up for it when the rest of the team isn't performing and then that's exactly what he did in Plamplon I mean he stood up and he was kind of at the heart of everything in attack you just kind of watching him thinking hang on a second, where on earth has this Jao Felix been? I mean, we've been missing this. And I mean, like even the first goal is in the box. It's not a magnificent wonder dribble or goal. It's finding some space in the box at a corner and, and getting on the end of it. And that's what Atletico need. And then obviously involved in the later goal as well. I mean, I think it's just that pass to Luis Suarez was, was magnificent. And those are two moments that justify his transfer fee that do show that kind of quality that we haven't seen from him often enough. And so, yeah, Karim Benzema was very good for Real Madrid and, and overcome some injury issues. But Jao Felix, for me, I mean, talking about important moments for the the player and the team in the season, I think Jao Felix this weekend could make a big difference to, to what happens to Atletico in the next few months. Yeah, he's got to start against United, hasn't he? Well... That's a whole other debate. <laughs> the Diego Simeone may have a very different point of view, but I think he's certainly staked his claim and won't be the only one feeling a little bit annoyed if he's on the bench come Wednesday night. Mm, interesting, interesting. How but about moments it. then? Sorry? 
Moments. How about our moments? Yeah, well, we've got our four for MVP. Then so we've got Dan Juma, Joe Felix, Iker Manain, and who was the other one? I can't even remember now. We've got Dan Juma, Manain, Joe Felix, and uh, and of course Aubameyang. Aubameyang, that's the one. So some impressive attacking talent there. But what about your moment of the week, then, Matt? What was your your favourite moment of the weekend? It's tough. There, there was, as you say, so many goals, so many moments. I. I think, I think I'm going to have to go for um, Athletic. I have to. Um, the way they won that game, nil-nil after an hour, the kind of the energy was kind of sapping out of the game. But to bring on those substitutes, it just completely revolutionised the game. And uh, I think that moment for Munyain at the end, scoring that fourth goal, really did kind of seal the narrative of that redemption. He was the one that. Touched the, the the cup before the final, of course, the, the kind of bad omen. As you say, he was the one with the Ramiro. That whole narrative was playing out. But yeah, for me, that, that fourth goal to kind of really crown this historic win for Athletic, that, that's my moment. So let's leave on that note then with some, some noise from San Mamez. But make sure you stay tuned to everything across the board this week on La Liga Lowdown. Coming up on Monday, we've got a Twitter Spaces match. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, of course. Uh, we'll be looking at the Champions League in detail. We'll be reflecting on uh, Real Madrid's result last week and what went wrong. What did Carlo Ancelotti get it get it completely wrong tactically, formation-wise, selection, um, the Mbappe factor, what they need to do to turn it around. And then, of course, we'll look ahead to the two massive matches this week: Atleti against Manchester United and Villarreal against Juventus. Um, and we'll be joined by Haskarim, Tom Harris, and Roy Barlow to have a uh, analyze analyze all of that so yeah look, looking forward to that on monday night exactly and as matt said there we've got all the european action with atletico and Villarreal in action against manchester united and juventus some big european ties and we've also got luis scattergood who's preparing a nice profile for us on Yago aspas and his journey in football so keep an eye out for that one on our socials and on our website so let's leave it there let's play us out with the sounds of san mames on sunday night as they secured a historic win over Real Sociedad. I believe it's their biggest since 1959. Is that right, Matt? Yep, absolutely. And the first time they've scored four since 1977. That was a 4-2 game. Historic for Athletic. Historic for Marcelino and historic for all of the Athletic players that were involved as well. So let's leave it there. Thanks for listening. Oh.